Hey guys, Courtney here with the Wayward Lasses, just reminding you to hit that like and subscribe button. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, or go to our website, www.waywardlasses.com. Did you type it in? All right, hurry up. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Here's the episode. And so I think what people need to carry away from me is not the ability to be a concert pianist, of which, of course, if that's what they want, I'll do my best to absolutely support them. And, you know, I'll practice my fingers off in support of them so I can play the passages they want or need demonstrated. But they're going to take away who I was as a person in those relationships. You know, I still text my piano teacher. That tells you kind of the relationship we had. And that's what I'm looking for is that kind of relationship where they go, this person taught me something more than what she was being paid to teach. Welcome to the Wayward Lasses All the Things Podcast. Real content. Encouraging. For real women. Affirming. Every age and stage of life. Are you ready to get real with the Wayward Lasses? You've come to the right place. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Wayward Lasses All the Things Podcast. I'm your host today, Brittany, joined by my sister, Courtney. Hello, sister. Hello, and our mother, Amy. Hello, daughters. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) And we have a very special guest today, Grace Drury. Hey, Grace. Hi, everybody. Hello, hello. So before we get and dive into the podcast and talk more about Grace and all of her wonderfulness and her business, we're going to start off with some trivia. And Grace, you had requested some literature trivia. Yes. So I've got I've got some Uh-oh. trivia here. Um, I knew I knew a, I knew a couple of these. I, I didn't know very many. I feel like this first one everybody would get. Okay, here's okay. the first one. In what language was Don Quixote written? I believe it was Spanish. I'll second that. Very good. Very good. Could have been the way I said Quixote. (laughs) You gave it away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do not even remember this book reading it. I know I read it, but I don't even remember it. The hero in Beowulf faces a monster known by what name? Oh, I do know this one. I think it starts with a C, and it's not Cthulhu. That's something else. It starts with a D. It starts with a D. G, as in Golgotha. Golly! Golgor. Oh, man. No. (laughs) It's, it's, I was into, like, Celtic mythology, like, less of the, like, Beowulf, less Viking. Okay, okay. So So the answer here is Grendel. No, no, would never guess that. Okay, okay. All right, let's try. Um, this is another book I read, but I had no idea what the answer was. In what state do Mark Twain's characters, Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, live? Mississippi. Oh, is it um, Mississippi? You're close. Louisiana? Alabama? Missouri? It's uh, Missouri. It's not even close. Okay, I grew up in Missouri, so I was like, it's either Mississippi because I know what? it mentions the Mississippi River, and I was like, first thought, best thought, but I was like, it might be Missouri because the Mississippi goes, you know, right by it. <laughs> These are lost on me, guys. Lost. I'm, I'm totally guessing. I'm just going to listen. Guesses. 
Okay, uh, maybe this one would be one we would all, we would get. I didn't get it. Um, what novel centers around the marriage during the Victorian era, describing the fascination that a group of sisters have over one man? Pride and Prejudice. Women. Very good. Oh, Did I get it? Yeah, you got it. It's like the one book I ever read. Victorian? <laughs> yeah, it said Victorian. Oh, Little Women's not Victorian. I've seen, I've seen the movie. I've seen the movie. Cure Nightly. Yeah, I was more like about to say Little Woman. I was like, that's yeah. more like, but. <laughs> I was like, I'll okay. be <laughs> We will do. North and South. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've not read that book. You are much more of a literature bug than I am. Um, let's see. Do two more. In a Christmas Carol. How many ghosts visit Scrooge? Three. There are three. I do know the answer. And four. Right? It's ghosts of oh, past, if you, ghosts of present, and ghosts of future. Yes, but, but if you count Jacob Marley, four. It's a oh, trick question. if you count Marley. And four. Is that a trick question? There are four. There are four. There are four. <laughs> there are four. Tricky, oh, tricky, boy. Brittany. <laughs> tricky, tricky. <laughs> Okay, last one. Let's see. You oh gosh, right. this is why um, I picked something that I was like, I I probably won't be good at this, but at least I won't humiliate myself doing music. <laughs> I didn't know any of these. Okay, here we go. Um, hopefully, we'll all get this one. I didn't because I didn't recognize it. But here we go. Which classic book by J. M. Barry Barry opens with the line, "All children." Except one grew up. Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Will never land. It is. Right. It's Peter Pan. Yay. Yay. Good job. That was different. Yes, it was. So thank you for throwing that literature trivia in us. None of us really knew though. So yeah. Good times, good times. All right, so we're going to go ahead and hop into today's episode. We're going to dive into the life of Grace here and her business. Um, so just to start off, Grace, um, for our listeners, can you kind of just introduce yourself to us? Give us like a brief introduction of kind of who you are. Okay, so um, obviously my name is Grace. I was, how, how far back are we going? Because, you know, I've got a lot of life story here. <laughs> Whatever you feel like sharing. <laughs> okay. So um, I was adopted from China at age one and I was brought over to the States, was raised in Missouri for a good 10 plus wow. years, a little fuzzy on exact numbers. And then um, we moved to Houston, Texas, and I met a lot of really great people, teachers, um, people who inspired me to further my career. Obviously, there were a lot in Missouri as well. And then I started my degree online. And so I finished up at age 18. And I had a studio, started it at age 17. But my mom said, you can't live with us. And I said, but I have a bachelor's. I've got my online degree. And my mom said, that doesn't count. She said, honestly, I never thought you'd finish college that way. I thought you'd drop out like, you know, halfway. She didn't expect me to get my degree online completely wow. in, uh, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017 to 2018. And so um, she's like, you have to go to brick and mortar college. So I was, she was like, are you going to do another bachelor's? I was like, oh, no, absolutely not. 
no more gen ed yeah. for me. And so she's like, well, you have to do four years somewhere. And I was like, well, how about I do two master's degrees? And so I went to, I auditioned and got into Pensacola Christian College's violin performance program. And I spent two years there and then decided I don't want to spend another two years here. So I auditioned for Bob Jones and I got into Bob Jones and then they cut the program about three months oh. after I had gotten accepted. And so Bob Jones said, we're going to honor the fact that we accepted you here for this degree. You're just going to be one of the last graduates to enter the program and finish. And so I am the last piano pedagogy grad, one of the last um, of the program. And then that went goodbye. And then um, I got married in the middle of my Bob Jones degree. So I'm married to Caleb. Wonderful, wonderful man. You'll hear a lot yeah. about him. <laughs> and uh, then we were living in student housing. And I'm very much down the line thinker. And so I was like, we should start looking for a place because I can't stay here after I finished the degree, you know? And so in January, we started looking of 2020 and our realtor showed us a house the week before the pandemic shut everything oh, wow. down. And wow. she's like, there's another couple who's bringing their parents. So if you want it, you should put a deposit on the house. And it's a brand new house. It is cookie cutter, but I love it because, you know, I didn't have to fix anything and I'm not worried about old things breaking and roofs falling <laughs> in. Um, and so we moved in the week before the pandemic. Everything shut down. We got to spend a lot of time yeah. together. Um, I was working for music and arts. Uh, that was slow going, uh, obviously because of the pan pandemic and nothing in person. And then we got pregnant in 2021 with Noelle and then this year, oh, well, it's 2023 now. So last year I had a miscarriage oh. and um, kind of the response from the company I was at, I, I asked to take time off. So it had come out that I was, I had made up all of these lessons so that my students got what they paid for. And then I went on vacation and I was miscarrying mm. and I came back and my blood levels were such that they were like, we think this is ectopic and that's very dangerous for you. So we have to give you um, this cancer drug. You know, it was a very specific drug. It wasn't like a cocktail that they do for like actual cancer patients, but they gave me a shot and I was very sick. Um, it was very ill and I still have, you know, a one-year-old to take care of. And so I asked my boss and I said, is there anything you can do to roll this over? Um, so I don't have to make up these mm -hmm. lessons and kind of the response from corporate was, well, she's not going to be sick in three months. Is she? And that kind of spurred me to be like, it's time yeah. to leave because it was yeah. coming. It was just seven years, then five years <laughs> and three years. And then, Oh, Oh, it's yeah. time. And so I got out, you know, I made plans to exit in December of 2022. And I, I, the decision was made in September of 2022. And so I spent 
three months pulling together everything I would absolutely need to run a business. So my LLC, accountant, all of the people, you know, absolutely the bare minimum to pull the studio together. And here we are now. And I've got 14 students and it's, you know, I'm getting leads every week. And so it's going really, really well. Awesome. Oh my gosh. What a story. That is a so much to dive into. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I do have to say, so my husband was a music major and I think he took music theory three times and he got, he got hundreds on everything, but they failed him three different times because of his absences. Hey, I mean, he he knows music (laughs) theory very well, but once you hit three absences, they automatically failed you. Um, I need to talk to your husband then to make that connection because I have something I need to talk to him about. There you go. He actually, um, he was a percussion, he's a percussion major and um, he taught in a studio. He taught kids percussion lessons for about seven, eight years. So maybe you should add some percussion to your, to your business. Uh, (laughs) Not for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So funny. Oh my gosh. Okay. Who is anybody have a question they want to start off with? You, you went into violin. Did, is that an instrument that you were interested? Did your parents say, Hey, Grace, you're going to learn violin or how did you choose violin as an instrument that you wanted to play? Cause it's not, I don't, from what I remember, as far as like other kids, my age growing up, I did piano and so did the girls, but violin was not something that I thought was, I'll, I'll use in quotes, easy. I think it's relatively hard, but um, yeah. Why violin? So I started with piano. My mom actually took me through the Alfred books. I, I remember the art very distinctly and sitting, you know, at our old acrosonic piano and learning from my mom. And then, you know, she got me a piano teacher. And then I remember not long after wanting to play violin and my brother played oh. violin. You know, he had somebody's old violin. I think it was my mom's. And so, of course, I wanted to do that also. And I believe at the time we had a homeschool orchestra program and I was able to take violin that way. I'm not sure if that's how I got my start. You'd have to confirm that with my mom. (laughs) I'm a little fuzzy on the details because I started when I was, I think, five. Oh, wow. I've been playing for, I've been playing both piano and violin for at least 19, if not 20 years. That's interesting. That's amazing. I've lost a lot of my piano. So mom and Courtney, they can read music. They can play by ear and do all that fun stuff. I have to sit there and memorize the music (laughs) and go key by key. Um, And it's more, for me, it's just muscle memory. After I teach myself something, that's how I play it. But I don't have very very many piano skills (laughs) anymore. Well, I think think for adults, my philosophy is always – um, when adults come to me to learn, it's do what you've got to do to learn uh-huh. the piece. Because at this point in your life, I am not going to try to force you into learning the, my right. way. If you learn best by listening to a recording and then you can translate that to the page and you do that, you know, in 
with 20, 30 songs, you're only going to get better and you're going to get to the point where it starts clicking. And so while I focus more on the foundationals for, you know, littles, when adults come into the studio, it's like, do what you've got to do to understand and comprehend because we all have our like little quirks that come with us into adulthood. And I, I try my best to work with my adults and help them utilize that rather than kind of quash it because it's not my way or it's not the way the method teaches. Mm -hmm. Right. That makes sense. I was going to ask that actually, I was going to ask how, what your method was when uh, first, if you thinking we're potentially speaking, or there's some listeners on here who may be potential clients of yours, hopefully, (laughs) Um, what are some, what's the age group that you work with? Do you have a preference? Or is it all age groups? And what kind of methods do you use? Do you follow a curriculum? Are there lessons that you're you're creating yourself? Talk to us a little bit about, about that. Yeah, so I teach ages three to as old as they go. I've had um, older women as old as 76 come to me to learn wow. piano. And so kind of with the three to five range, what those parents are looking for is a routine, consistent way to get their child out of the house. Mm-hmm. And put them in front of somebody who is educated and knows how to let them have fun, but still teach them something. So what I usually do with my three to five year olds is we do rhythm sticks. I was a dancer. I did ballet for, oh, five-ish years. I did Shaketi method and you know, when you were that high up, you had to assist with the class. And so I often got to work in a dance class with these littles. And so something I took away from my dance teacher, um, Debbie Claus Moore, love her. She was an amazing woman, amazing mentor. Um, I learned a lot about poise from her. I took away the lummy sticks and the idea of incorporating music and movement together Hmm. for children under the age of five. And so with Lummy Sticks, we listen to the songs, we follow the words, and it helps them stretch their concentration in a way that is not setting them in front of the TV. We also try to do maybe a meditation, or I have these cards where we do some sort of breathing exercise. So it's all about helping them regulate themselves in a space where, you know, mom and dad aren't around to watch them. So that way, whenever they're ready to go into kindergarten or first grade, they're showing signs of above average focus and, you know, some pre-reading skills. I do start introducing um, Faber pre-reading around Mm -hmm. age four, but we go pretty slow in that because I'm doing all these activities to keep them engaged because their their attention span is maybe about five minutes. So it's five (laughs) minutes of this five minutes of that, and so on until their lesson is complete. For ages five and up, usually it is favor primer or favor pre-reading. It really depends on if they've had musical training up to that point. Mm -hmm. For my piano students, I pretty exclusively use favor because I like how well-rounded the curriculum is. Mm -hmm. They have technique, a lesson book, a theory book, sight reading, and a performance book. And I actually use all of those because I believe they're foundational. And I know that students like to be 
accomplishing mm-hmm. things. So I want to get through the book as fast as mm-hmm. possible, right? Well, having five books means that, you know, you're like reining them in a little because you have, oh, well, we have to do work in this book and we have to do work in this book. And so that way I'm making sure they're comprehending by kind of working in this circle around a lesson mm-hmm. book. For violin, it's a lot more fluid. Right now, I use essential elements and for book one to start my violinists, but I'm expanding. I just put out a kind of a, hey, what does everybody use in my violin community? And I got such a great response from the Violin Guild. Definitely check that out. Um, And so what I did, my OCD self, put them all into sheets and then I ranked them sheets is the gmail version of excel and then I ranked them to in order of interest to me and so the plan is to buy one every couple of months work through it myself and see how does this serve me how does this serve my students because I'm always about growth for Mm -hmm. myself and my students and I feel like A lot of the attitude I sense from college students after they finish any degree is, oh, I'm done. I'm so glad I never have to study anymore. And I feel like that's a real limitation because there's so many resources and so many things that you can't think of outside of yourself. And if you're not willing to go looking, you can't grow as a person or as a musician. Right. So I'm, I'm an, I'm a life learner is how I like to put it. Absolutely. I love that. That's what makes you a good teacher. Is that you're always learning. Yeah, definitely. It's so funny you say the Faber books because growing up, we did the John Thompson books. I don't know if you've ever seen the... Yes, Um, Yes, John Thompson. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I learned. But um, I have a few Faber books and I... um, when I got back into playing the piano, I actually went through them. (laughs) Yeah. I went through them and I was like, yes. And this, it kind of like refreshed all of my memory. And I was like, this is great. Yeah. I love that. So I love that you use those. That's awesome. And I like your yeah, method. Really so great. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of duets. Yes. And so when I get to play with the student, it creates this spirit of collaboration mm-hmm. and they're all of a sudden, instead of, I have to play these like press these buttons, you know, like a video game, it's, oh, I have to like actually use my ears and there's sound going on that's not from me. And they have to work hard to make sure that they're actually doing what they practice. Yeah. But it's also so fun for them. It is. And it's a confidence booster too, right? Because they feel like they've accomplished something in the first few minutes, they're already playing something and it's, it's makes them want to come back. That's why I love the piano. So that's awesome. (laughs) I'm taking up all the time. Sorry. Does anybody else have a question? No, no. I love it. I love that you said, I love that you said lifelong learner because I was a teacher for seven years and I am such a strong believer in that we are all lifelong learners. There's never a moment where you stop learning. The moment that you stop learning, you might as well, you know, go to your deathbed. There's always new things out there. There's so much more information. There's new ways to learn things. Uh, So I love that you said that. Definitely is a the stroke of a great teacher. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I, go, ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. no, no. 
Oh, so <laughs> I wanted to hop into this. So you said that you had a miscarriage and you took three months and you started your business. And I think that is incredible. The fact that you, you were like, you know what? I've got to get out of this. I've got three months and now you started your business and you left that other job. Can you kind of talk to us about the difficulties of that you went through to in, in those three months to get to where you are now to have this business? Yeah. So obviously, like I said, I had made up all like 15 of my lessons before I went on vacation. I was miscarrying and, um, and a trigger warning, I was bleeding, you know, I think I passed the baby at the oh. airport. It was just a lot going on. And so then I, I spent time with my husband's family up in Vermont and it was just a lot to process. And we went to the, we went to the Von Trapp family lodge alone. We left my daughter with um, my in-laws who are really great. I really actually like my in-laws, <laughs> you know, my mother-in-law is a, an aerospace. She has a degree in aerospace engineering and interned at NASA. Oh, wow. So, you know, rocket science, that kind of thing. She's really intense, <laughs> but she's an amazing person. And she came down and helped me for a month after Noelle yeah. was born. So I love them and they kept Noelle. And so during that Von Trapp night where Caleb and I were just relaxing and enjoying a nice dinner, it was like, what are we going to do? You know, and I have a lot of anxiety um, from, you know, childhood and just being in that performing environment is very hard on one's psyche. And so you deal with a lot of things like imposter mm -hmm. syndrome, complex trauma. Um, so it was really, really scary because I also didn't think I would be allowed to take the students I had with me. So I was thinking I was going to start at zero. So the first thing I did was have a conversation and just be very frank with my boss. Um, my boss is great. He had nothing to do with the policy changes. Um, I still fully 100% support that store. I recommend people go there. Anytime I have a problem, I call my old boss up and I'm like, hey, this didn't work out. And he's amazing. So um First thing I told him, I was straight up transparent and I said, I'm going to be leaving in three months. I think it's best if I end in December when everybody's going to be taking off. And, um, and then it was just from there, how do I do this? And so the first thing I did was I dug out my music business course that I took in 2019 or 2020. I think I took it in 2019. Maybe I took it in 2018. I don't know. Those years all blend together. But Dr. Renfro at Bob Jones had us do a music business course. And of course, I had already had a studio, you know, that was not as official as my studio is now because I was 17. Um, but the, the aim of the class was if you had to start a business, how would you run it? And so I went back through all of those documents. I had tax forms. I had stats on Greenville population. How would I market? I had costs for things down to rugs and another piano. Um, obviously, those got altered, but past me did a really good job in that class. <laughs> so it set me up for success. 
So I was able to just pull that out and go, I have a plan. And so what took, you know, a full semester was ready to go. And it was really great to have that. So um, kudos to Dr. Renfro for getting me prepared um, and answering all my business questions. Cause I was always at his office. I was like, well, what about this? And what about this? And I still go by and say hi every so often. So then came the process of, um, of the big wait. So we were waiting for kind of my husband's end of year bonus before we started any work on the studio. So it was whatever my paycheck could support us working on. So the first thing that went in was the paint. Um, and I bought the wallpaper and then the minute that, you know, that check got deposited and it cleared, it was like, okay, I have the flooring <laughs> picked out. I know what chairs I want. I need a curtain, you know, what are we going to do about this? And so the first two months of, uh, really kind of mid September to mid October and mid October to mid November were going to going to flooring stores, going to Home Depot like 20 <laughs> times, um, all of those things, and just really working over what it looked like. At first, this wall was going to be built in, and then I said, I really like this bookcase, and we have nowhere else to put it. <laughs> and so Caleb said, well, let's work it in then. And so he's got a desk behind me. I don't know how well you can see. It's probably kind of cluttered. It's all our paperwork. Oh, yeah. Out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And so it just kind of was hours and hours of anxiety working on this project. And it finally came to fruition in, I think we had everything up by December 12th, I think. And it's been great. Wow. I love it. That was so recent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> by about January 12th, and then I've still got a little bit that needs work, and that's my calming corner. That's like under construction. Mm -hmm. I have a waiting room in the area behind the curtain, and what's going to be over there is some books for breathing mindfulness, some sensory toys, a little puzzle, and just things for um, things for the siblings to occupy themselves. Or if my student gets really overwhelmed, just a place that we can take a time in and breathe and really see what's going on with them because I'm very conscientious of the whole musician. So I use the hashtag a lot of times, the whole pianist or the whole violinist, because what I want to do is nurture that person also. And so in those younger ones, I see lack of confidence or they have emotional needs that aren't met when they walk in the studio. And so every day I'm just faced with all of these people who are going through different things and I want to meet them where they are and also give them to tools on how to help themselves when they're not in a great position. Yeah. I, I love, love that. that. I love that you're doing that. So many people, especially just being a teacher, just shove curriculum down your throat. And a lot of people forget to realize that these are human beings. Yeah. And oftentimes when they come in the room, like you said, their needs have not been met. And if their needs aren't met, there's no way they're going to digest what you're trying to give them. So the more that you create the environment that you're doing for your students, the more they're going to open up to you. They're going to feel safe to make mistakes around you. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. And the not to be better than everybody else mm -hmm. here. The goal is to be your best. Mm -hmm. 
that's a really important distinction in music where, um, you know, there's, there's a certain level of perfection that's expected. <laughs> and I think that's a really harmful stigma to expect of anybody, especially children. Um, because when you expect that, that just puts so much extra pressure. So like our last Halloween recital, I had everybody dress up. So one kid showed up in an ER onesie and played his classical book three piece. And I was like, this is great. It might've been book two, but everybody was in costume. And so it was super low stress. Everybody performed wonderfully. And so by removing the stress and making it fun, um, I got the recital I wanted and they got the experience and, you know, there's that horrible dream that you can have where you're standing up in front of everybody in your underwear and standing up in an ER onesie is pretty close to that in my book. If you can stand up and do that, you can stand up in a tux and play in front of a lot of other people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, what you're saying is so true and I can attest to it personally. I grew up and my piano lessons were, uh, my, my teachers were very strict. And, um, yeah. And I, developed this perfectionist mentality when I play so much so that as I got older and I wanted to branch out into other genres because I play classical and I wanted to do maybe blues or, you know, something that a little more soulful, I I couldn't do it because just the ability to let myself be free and just mess up or just feel the music, I couldn't, and it's something I still struggle with, but I'm aware of it now and I'm working on it, but I very much attribute that to the perfectionist mentality of, of how I was taught. And so I commend you for your method and the way that you're teaching, especially the young kids, because you really are going to make a difference and are making a difference in not only their, their musical training, but their life. So kudos to you. That's a really amazing, amazing thing that you're doing. Thank you. Cause I want you to be my teacher. (laughs) (laughs) You teach me. (laughs) Okay. But yeah, the thing is, is the out of the people who are going to come through my door, I remember um, my my first piano teacher, Melissa Duncan, I still chat with her and she'll send me texts and she'll be like, I got my third little grace this year. And so what she means is she got just a student yep. just like me. Aww. And so, so few of her students have continued on to be in music and You know, I am one out of hundreds she has taught. And so I think what people need to carry away from me is not the ability to be a concert pianist, of which, of course, if that's what they want, I'll do my best to absolutely support them. And, you know, I'll practice my fingers off in support of them so I can play the passages they want or need demonstrated. But they're going to take away who I was as a person and those relationships, you know, I still text my piano teacher that tells you kind of the relationship we had. And that's what I'm looking for is that kind of relationship where they go, this person taught me something more than what she was being paid to teach. That's awesome. Yep. If you are a parent listening to this podcast right now, go check out Grace because I'm telling you, As someone who took piano lessons as a kid, that you want this woman as your teacher, or as your, as, a, as your teacher for your children, definitely. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And I'm being sincere. It's very true. So one of the things that I heard as you were sharing your story with us is 
you have a very supportive husband and a supportive family. And I, from, from, I'm just, I feel like that's what's helped you become successful in this business. But for others who are out there, our listeners, you know, if they don't have this, if they don't have a supportive husband, a supportive family, you know, what, I don't know if you can think outside of this, but what may be some of the advice or an advice that you can give to some of our listeners who are struggling to get their business off the ground? What are some of the things that they can do maybe to help them move forward if they don't have a supportive group like you do or you have? Yeah. And I would definitely say I've been blessed. Obviously, my husband was my fi- financial investor who I'm still, <laughs> you know, he owns, he owns the studio. But, <laughs> but I'll be honest, my relationship with my parents has not been the best in recent years. So I, I have talked to them, you know, maybe two or three times and they've seen Noel once and that was at my nephew's mm. funeral. So um, I do understand where those people are coming from. Obviously, obviously I have my husband's side, but they're not really people I, I go to a tremendous amount. They live in New Hampshire. And so while I enjoy chatting with them and you know, every so often I'll run something by them, I don't really feel like that's my support mm-hmm. group. So I feel like I can actually yeah. answer this question. One of my closest friends is actually one of the people who walked into my old business, uh, my old company. And she sat down and she said, I'm a Harry Potter Ravenclaw. Here's the list of questions I have for you. And if you can answer them, that would be great. And like, I just went through her list. We clicked, she's neurodiverse, I'm neurodiverse. And she has been, she is a close friend. Um, I bounce things off her all of the time. And so, I have a couple close friends. So I have one in Missouri who I chat with and she's, she's very spiritually minded. And so we have really good conversations about our faith and I'm always encouraged when I talk to her, but we were like passing friends when we were growing Mm -hmm. up. Then I have a friend in Columbia who we went to, we ran into each other at Bob Jones. We grew up in Missouri. Again, we were rivals as violinists we shared the same stand and then we we passed each other in the halls of bob jones and went i know you and um and from there it was like our rivalry was so stupid we were so bad it wasn't even worth mentioning and so now we talk all the time i i bounce ideas off of her so what i'd say to people who are struggling and who don't have this support network is find your people Find the people who understand you, who support you, but aren't afraid to tell mm-hmm. you the truth. Um, I've definitely had really bad ideas that uh, that my friend Kayla has shut down. She's like, this is not your finest moment. And, you know, we'll be like, this is not yeah. my day. And she'll be like, it's okay. Are you doing your best? And I'm like, I'm doing the best today can offer. And she's like, then yeah. that's your best. And so people who will support you through those times and give really solid advice and be there when you need there there was a moment where i was so tired postpartum um 
maybe not super close to postpartum, but you know, it feels like forever. And, um, I texted Kayla and I said, I am just losing it. And she said, let me put on real pants and I'll be there in 30 minutes. And so she came and she rescued me because from just where I was at. And so you need to find those people. Um, if your family is supportive, wonderful, but find your village. There are so many Facebook groups where you, where you live. I guarantee it. And if not start a group, I have a stroller mom's group. I go out regularly with a friend from my old church. Um, I meet up with several other people. I'm, you know, I'm pretty, um, I move and groove a lot. I get out. I put myself out there. Um, so that would be my advice to those people is find your people, find your village, and they're not necessarily going to be the people who share yeah. blood. I love that. I think that's some really sound advice um, because often I think people look for that support group within their family, and if they don't find it, then it gets to be it gets to be depressing, and you don't know where to turn. But if yeah. you can recognize that, like you said, it doesn't have to just run through, you know, it doesn't have to be blood where you're going to go get your support from. Go find your people. Go find somebody who's got the same interests as you. And I'm sure there's going to be some type of relationship that you can forge and then, you know, get the support that way. So yeah, that was, I I love that. Thank you, Grace, for sharing that. I appreciate that. And I will say, be willing to give as much as you get from that relationship. You know, relationships are not one-sided. You have to give back and forth. And so, you know, obviously you're not keeping score, but don't expect somebody to be there for you to cry on their shoulder and not have to turn around and also be there for them because that's what a true friend is. That's right. That's very Snaps all around. Snaps all around. Okay. Um, Grace, did you have anything that you wanted to add that maybe we didn't hit or anything you wanted to talk about before we kind of closed out? Ooh. We really covered a lot, didn't we? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean... I've got a lot in the works, guys. I'm um, I'm in talks with a couple marketing people. I ultimately would love to own kind of like a strip mall or a building and lease it out and kind of create this unique ecosystem. Maybe I have a tiny bit of a God complex, but I don't want a kickboxing studio next to my business where I teach yeah. violin lessons. Um. But ultimately, it would be amazing to own that kind of building and lease to, you know, a sandwich shop or a bakery and then have a place for the kids to play or a grocery store, somewhere where it adds value to the life of the people who come for lessons. So that way, okay, 30 minutes, they're in lessons, I can go to the grocery store. I can get a cup of coffee. I can... Because that's yeah. what I want. Yeah. I want to drop my kid off and I want to go get a cup of coffee and wait for them <laughs> and just relax in a really beautiful space. And um, that's like the end of the five, ten year plan. <laughs> and kind of in the middle, I'm hoping to start a homeschool orchestra similar to the one I was in growing up. I think that's something that is missing here in South Carolina and I would love to be behind that would love to hire people to also operate like a choir and a band for homeschoolers 
I've got two apps in development. Nice. And um, wow, girl. Yeah, <laughs> I want to. I want to be an influence, and this is the way I see that yeah. happening. So I have my fingers in a little bit of everything. Love that. And could you share with us um, how we find you, your website, and um, once again, name your business, your social media handles, all that fun stuff so people can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So my Facebook is going to be Drury Lane Studios. So there is an S at the end of studios. And then my Instagram is at Drury underscore Lane underscore studios. So same one. I was just with the underscores. I was able to snag that. <laughs> nice. And then currently my website is drurylanestudios.mymusicstaff.com. Love it. Love it. And before we head out, you were talking about sensory kits. We're actually going to be interviewing someone who makes sensory kits for kids. And you can buy them off her Etsy shop. So <laughs> oh, I'll have to maybe. send you that information. You can get a couple of those for your little corner. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, so we have had a blast. Thank you, Grace, so much for joining us. This has been so much fun. Um, we've learned, I've learned so much from you. And it's so refreshing to hear um, that there are still teachers out there that are passionate about it. And they're they're passionate about the, the whole the whole child, you know, it's student centered, not just curriculum centered. So I totally love everything that you're doing and we really appreciated having you on the podcast. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Absolutely. Well, to all of our listeners, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we hope you had a great time. Please continue to support us. You can hear us on Apple, on Spotify. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a website where you'll also see Grace's podcast. Um, Email us if you want to be on the show or if you have any questions that you want us to cover. And then you can also, if you want to be a guest in the podcast, head to our website. There is a podcast request form there. So, Courtney, without further ado, could you please close us out? I sure can. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. And thank you again, Grace, for joining us. We absolutely loved having you. Until next time, we are the Wayward Lasses, reminding you to keep it real. Good night, guys. Bye. Thanks for stopping by. Bye.